Welcome to Paranormal Captivity, where we didn't just have some recording issues and had to try a million times to record. Of course not. We are professionals. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But welcome. We're glad to be here because, oh man, we've got some crazy things to talk about today. Yeah. Finishing up Cat Who Moved a Mountain. We're in the last fourth, the home stretch. We are, and Julia texted me before I had even started reading today, and I felt very guilty, but also really excited to read, because I think it was, your text was something like, oh my god, was the tone of it, like. Yeah, it was a, it was a wild ride getting to the end of this book. <laughs> oh my gosh, but before we start talking about the book, I need to tell you and everyone, I went to a cat cafe yesterday Cafe. oh my god i had never been to one before yeah i've I've never been to one either mostly because my apartment's a cat cafe but (laughs) that's true i know we've both separately joked i think about how we're both gonna start cat cafes yeah i mean if we ever lived in the same city that's six cats that's plenty to start a cat cafe a hundred percent that's the exact i think right number for a cat cafe yeah well this one was awesome it was the san diego cat cafe san diego and it's actually a rescue group so it's not connected with a shelter but it's a rescue group that doesn't have like a like technically like a physical building but they have just like a lot of different fosters like foster families like foster people who foster cats Mm. and the cat cafe is actually technically considered a foster home And so the way they do it is really cool. It's like separate, like you walk in and they're like, oh, do you want to go see the cats? And they, you pay eight bucks and they, you get to go see the cats and they give you a food, like food for you and a drink. So, well, the first day, so I went full disclosure, I went twice because the first time I went, I got so overwhelmed. I literally walked in and I was like, even though I could read all of the signs perfectly and like was totally like should have been able to understand everything. I just got so like emotionally overwhelmed and was like, do the cats even want me here? How do I, I don't understand how this works. So I bought $12 of magnets and a latte and then I left (laughs) (laughs) because I'm a dummy. And then luckily it was open the next day and I had time the next day. So I went back in the morning um, before we left San Diego and I just walked right in and was like, don't, I just like had a pep talk with myself and I was like, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Pay your $8, get your latte, go pet some cats. (laughs) No more magnets. (laughs) Yeah. No more magnets. Don't look at the merch. Don't get overwhelmed. I think you even pep talked me too, because I was like, I think I did. I didn't do this right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you didn't pet any cats, you definitely didn't do it right. I mean, it's true. And I can officially say I have pets and cats now. And it was glorious. Okay. Great. Um, but yeah, it was set up so well. Like they had the cafe on one side and then you like walk into this other room where you can bring your your drinks and your food. Um, and then they have this huge room with like, I would say probably like 10-ish cats. And they had like, oh my gosh, they had all of these like 
like literal cat trees like cat trees shaped like trees <laughs> and they were probably like six to ten feet tall like the cats would like they had poles that were wrapped in um in rope and mm-hmm. so these cats could like climb up the poles and then jump over to the trees and like oh my gosh they were all just so happy oh, oh god the, dr- the dream that's what i wanted my cat room to be like oh well it still can be it still can be no i hate this apartment i'm moving i'm not investing anymore in this stupid cat room <laughs> Oh no, what's happening in your apartment? Um, so I still don't have internet. <laughs> oh no. Um, okay, so I'll not to divert the, the story from the cat cafe, but no, I will okay. tell you my internet saga and you can tell me if I'm being ridiculous. <laughs> well, if you still don't have internet, I can already tell you you're not being ridiculous. Well, okay, at this point, I don't have internet by choice because it's like, kind oh. of, it's kind of a standoff. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Well, then I So you can tell me if I'm wait. over <laughs> Okay, yeah, please. The jury's out. <laughs> We're all uh, anxiously awaiting to judge you and your internet choices. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, so I think, I don't know if any of any of this backstory has been posted in any of the other podcasts but I don't have internet in this apartment I've lived here for like three months now four months now I've lived here for a while now yeah Um, and so the first step I was going to take was buy a modem plug it in call my internet company and be like set me up you know yeah but I so I couldn't find the plug for the I, could, I couldn't find a plug basically <laughs> i think that is actually the part that's in one of the other podcasts is like okay. me yelling at you that there had to be a plug and you yelling that there was no plug and i was like yeah. i'm gonna fly there and find your plug <laughs> <laughs> so i texted my landlord and was like um i'm like really bad at finding things obviously like can you tell me where this plug is and he's like no your apartment's not set up for internet oh <gasps> And so, insane. yeah, he was like, you need to call your internet provider and have them like wire you a new plug. And no, so that should be included. Oh, my God. I'm so mad. Sorry. Yeah. So that was this is where the standoff has come in, because I'm like, I'm not investing my money to make a permanent change to your apartment. Right. Because that like you're when you leave that benefits like everyone else which obviously exactly. like altruism whatever but like that's something that a landlord should do if it's going to stand for like the rest although you know what you should do you should just when you leave you should like do the plug and then when you leave you should like have rip them the come uninstall the, the plug yeah just rip them and take them with you and be like now i have two internet plugs in my next apartment yeah well so so my thing is I'm the first person to live here since they redid the apartment. And so oh. they obviously bought like an old shitty row home and split it into two apartments, which means the wiring for the internet probably was downstairs. And so when it got split in half, the plug is downstairs. So my my neighbors downstairs probably didn't have to rewire anything. Yeah, they probably have the plug down there. But I'm like, you literally had like you redid this whole apartment. My guess is it was probably gutted. You definitely put in new walls. You definitely put in new flooring. Like you could have paid an extra like 50 to 100 dollars to have it rewired while the walls were open. And right. And you didn't. So like, it's not my job to rewire your apartment, your finished no. apartment. A hundred percent not because that's not a that's not a feature that anyone like 
that's not like a weird quirk. Like in LA, there's like a weird quirk where like you have to, like most apartments don't come with a refrigerator, but like there are hookups for a refrigerator. That's not like a weird city quirk where like something just like ha- started happening that way. It's like, yeah. no, every apartment should have a an internet hookup. That's like a feature that right. comes with an apartment. And also not... like if you buy a fridge, you can take your fridge with you. It's not like you're buying a right. fridge for the apartment and then you leave the fridge and have to buy a new one when you go into a new apartment. You know? Exactly. Like yeah. I was expecting to have to buy a modem that I could then take with me to a different right, apartment, exactly. not yeah. like pay a hundred plus dollars to have my apartment rewired. Which, like, it's not even that's not even just bothering me. They're gonna have to go downstairs to my neighbors to like go into their wall and split their wire oh, to then geez. pull up to my apartment. I don't know. It's just like a whole thing. So I'm like having like a little bit of a standoff because I'm like well like fine I'll just live a year without internet and leave and you'll have to deal with the next person who bitches at you because there's no internet that's true because that's only gonna make them like that's only a bad choice for them because I mean it's also a bad choice for you because you don't get internet but (laughs) it also is like you're gonna leave quicker and then the next person is maybe gonna be meaner about it than you are yeah but then at the same time I'm like like the longer I go without internet, the more I'm like I kind of need internet. Like yeah, I, you're I can't, I can't <laughs> like I can't work from home. I can't like do my taxes. Yeah. I can't like there are so many things that I need internet for. And like like what is your, so your landlord is just at the like have you gone back to him yet and have or her and been like I mean he's well just like no that's your your business call your your internet provider i'm like i'm literally not going to like there's nothing you can do to make me wire your apartment for you what if you i know i like kind of jokingly suggested this before but do do you think your downstairs neighbors would be like because internet does work better up down as opposed to like sideways do you think they would like if you offered to like pay into their bill that you guys could share wi-fi and like kind of fuck the landlord a little bit yeah I mean obviously that would be ideal I just like don't know them I know yeah that's like not an easy thing to just be like oh hi can I, <laughs> can your can I steal your internet <laughs> I mean I wouldn't be stealing I'd be paying for half of it right yeah and who knows like they might actually be I mean I don't know if someone came up to me and was like hey I'll help pay your internet bill I think I'd be especially yeah, if I I'd like probably knew that they be were like yeah neighbor. absolutely pay half my yeah. internet bill Especially if it's, like, in their apartment and they have full control over it. Like, I feel like if someone came to me and was like, I'm going to buy internet, you should pay for half of it and use it. I'd be like, ah. But if someone was like, you keep control over your internet, I'll just pay half the bill for you if you give me your password. I'd be like, oh, yeah, Yeah. that's fine. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like you can even have two, like, I think right now we even have two wi-fi networks on our one modem so like even if they wanted to slit it in some way even just for whatever reason i think you can actually do that too of like they could even make you your own network so that it even looked like if they were you know weird felt weird at all about like all the cat things you could be searching on your <laughs> on your wi-fi like yeah that's true i guess your it, own network i guess it depends on how they have it set up like if they have a modem that then, like, they have a router connected to. I guess, like, I could technically buy my own router and connect it to their modem. Would that oh, maybe. work? I guess. Is, is that a thing? Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. But maybe. Yeah. Because I know one of them does create the network and one of them is, like, 
I don't know, something else. Yeah, the modem, like, hooks up to the... The modem hooks up to the cable in the wall that goes underground. So the modem's the one that connects to the network, and then the router is what makes it wireless. Are you guys so glad that we're internet experts now? (laughs) (laughs) I'm literally an internet expert because I did all of this research when I was trying to figure out what to buy because I was like, I don't like, I want to buy two things. That's stupid, but you have to, unless you get a gateway, which is both in one. But then I was doing research. Okay. I'm like nerding out a little bit because I know information. (laughs) Yeah. I'm getting a little bored. (laughs) Well, sorry. That is very obnoxious. Yeah. So anyway, that's my, that's my internet saga. I feel like I'm not overreacting and my landlords can go fuck themselves. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, if I stay here at this job for like five years and I stay in this apartment for like five years, then it would be worth the like hundred or so. But then I'm like, you know what? No. It is kind of a standoff that like right now only you lose. I know. <laughs> like no one else gives a shit except you don't have internet <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly unless I like broke my lease agreement in which case I would probably lose my deposit which is way more than I would spend to get this apartment uh, rewired for internet right oh no yeah you're kind of out of so out I'm of just like <laughs> yeah so yeah exactly like either way if I pay for the wiring my landlord like kind of wins like a little bit but still probably doesn't care at all yeah and if I don't pay for it they're like literally not gonna care either way because the next people will be maybe less ridiculous than I am um oh my god Julia to connect it to the book I mean I know this is a part we already talked about in last episode but if you can take any consolation or any like um any uh inspiration from Quillerin, as I know you often do. <laughs> I basically am Quillerin, because even though are. he's a millionaire, he probably would not pay to rewire this apartment either. <laughs> well, no, but what I was going to say, though, is that he did rewire basically his telephone line in Tip Top because he needed a second That's phone. That's true. And yeah, he, put in and the he was only there for like three months. That's true. He wasn't even going to be there for the long haul. So yeah. And spoiler alert, he's there for less than three months. <laughs> I, I kept getting closer and closer to the end and being like, is this just going to end with like him staying and staying into- There's for no another like way. two months? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, spoiler alert, he does end up going back to pickaxe for some pretty. Oh my gosh. Did you hear shadow? I don't know. It was Oh, did I he hear did- shadow? Oh, I didn't know if that went through or not. He's in the bathtub, and he's just, like, carousing around, but he just made the funniest little, like, chirp. Um, little guy. But, yeah, so, yeah, a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, Quillerin does go back to pickaxe, but boy, does a lot happen in between. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And also, speaking of overreacting, the reason that he goes <laughs> to pickaxe, I was like, um. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can we maybe, like, talk about this for a minute because it I don't know if this is what you think it is yeah well yeah definitely I mean I mean he has truly very little information that he acts upon and he jumps from zero to a thousand yeah which is funny because he doesn't always do that a lot of times like we've said in other books that like you know, he'll get a lot of information and then he'll just kind of wait around and not really act on it but not when it involves 
Polly. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Ah. Okay, we should just stop talking vaguely about something that happens at the very end. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. Okay. (laughs) Well, we'll keep going with the the story first because what happened? The thing thing that happens at the end, the thing with the thing doesn't have anything to do with potato mountain. <laughs> also in true like yeah true the cat who fashion that kind of veers a little bit and little little bits out of left field uh happen yeah. but so to pick up where we left off up, to pick up outside to... of pickaxe sorry <laughs> to pick up where the potatoes are yes we left off you know, I actually can't remember where we left off because I forgot that last time um, in the last section, I actually read a chapter ahead. Oh, you're just uh, all over the place in this book. I know. <laughs> I really am. But I, yeah, and I think in the last episode, I might have like mentioned a couple of things that hadn't happened yet. And I don't know if you caught them. But I, I think there were a couple of things that I was like, oh, yeah, and this and this and this. And, like, the pillows was one of them. I remember being like, oh, oh yeah, and Sabrina came and left some pillows. That's right. And I then as I was reading this chapter, that. I was like, oh, shit, did I mention that in the last episode? Because I think I actually read a chapter ahead. And then I, like, backtracked because I couldn't remember. Anyway. <laughs> there <laughs> actually was definitely one thing that when I was editing afterwards, I was like, oh, I definitely just agreed to that. And I had really had no idea what you were saying. <laughs> but I just assumed that I forgot it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it probably wasn't anything, like, important. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do remember where we left off because our you did a really good job of picking the sections, even though you didn't really honor your own sections that you picked. <laughs> because yeah. chapter 13 was where we left off. We read up to chapter 14 um, mm-hmm. last time, 10 through 14. And um, we left off. It was like the perfect chunk of when Quilleran sprained his ankle after his waterfall uh-huh. accident. And yeah. he was like stuck. He was, like, laid up uh, in his house, and he was having all of these, like, guests come visit, and he was getting different bits of gossip and information from them. And chapter 13 ends, I think, with Bill uh, leaving, and then Quiller and, like, eating, because Bill had brought him food from the grocery store and then, like, stuff for mm-hmm. the cats, too. So they were eating and, like, hanging out, and then... Um... And then we pick up in chapter 14, he goes out with Sabrina yeah so yeah 14 that's why i was like oh it's, it was so perfect because 14 kind of ends his like bed rest um because his ankle yeah. is like pretty quickly starting to feel better yeah well the it's end of 14 awkward. he like for sure is done on bed rest yeah 14 yeah he's that's right he's still feeling a little bit bad in 14 but then it like really quickly is like he's like sprinting down the road and it's like fine (laughs) and he's like oh i'm fine he's surprised yeah well you get that one scene he comes so he goes out with sabrina and we'll talk about their conversation it's not like that important but it's a little important but then when he gets back so the end of chapter 14 he like comes back and hears voices in the house and he's like my cat oh yeah (laughs) and so he like sprints up the stairs and it was just that Coco and Yum Yum had turned on the TV or turned on the radio. Yeah, it was the radio. He was like, who put knobs on a radio on top? And the cats had like fiddled with the radio knobs. Yeah. It was really cool. But yeah, so it was like that panic that like he dropped his cane and just kind of like went for it and then got upstairs and was like, oh, I feel fine. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, now that I think I've been robbed, uh, everything's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
before that happens, he went out with Sabrina and had, like, a whole conversation about things. Yeah, and Sabrina is so funny because she, like, I feel like he's talked to her at least two or three times now. And each time she's, like, divulged a little bit more. And, like, I guess that's just how conversations work. But part of me was, like, you could have just get, like, it always seems like a really similar conversation. And then she's all of a sudden, like, oh, and by the way, did you know? And it's, like, okay, we've talked about this so many times with you particularly. Why didn't you just say, you know that he's interested in this. Why didn't you just say all of this, like, (laughs) at the beginning? (laughs) Yeah, you know, to be honest, I kind of thought she was going to be, like, a more important character by the end. Yeah, I kind of did, too. But she kind of wasn't. And I kind of get the impression, now that I've gotten to the end of it and realized that she, like, wasn't that important to the story or to the plot line, I guess. I kind of get the impression that she's just, like, an aloof designer in the town like you know she is what she is and she probably like doesn't care enough about the gossip to like think of these things while they're in conversation you know I could see that yeah and so you know like if they talk about it a second time she's like oh I guess I didn't realize you didn't know this like let me tell you something else like a little bit more of the backstory you know like she probably doesn't yeah that's a good point like doesn't really feel involved enough to like gossip about it yeah, that's a, that's actually a really good point that she's like clearly much more interested in any sort of decorating and talking about that. And even though she's criticized Sherry for being a little bit, you know, more money driven, and uh, I think she calls her greedy at one point. <laughs> Sherry Hockenfield, um, mm-hmm. JJ Hockenfield's daughter. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Sabrina is a little bit too because she. The only thing that she's, like, really super interested in is, like, getting Quiller in to let her, like, redecorate the entire place. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of get the impression. I was, like, a little bit. So I was kind of hoping that they were either, like, potentially secret, like, lovers at the end. And, like, that was going to play into it. And the whole, like, feud was just, like, a front. Or that there was, like, some secret, like affair and maybe sabrina was like the half sister or something you know like the secret half sibling or you know like i was kind of hoping that there was going to be like some sort of like other tie-in that made the relationship like make a little bit more sense but i think in true lillian jackson braun fashion i think in her writing strong driven female characters just like can't be friends yeah that's true you know so I think it it was just kind of like a silly feud of like two very similar personalities that like couldn't get along you mean her and uh uh Sherry yeah Yeah. I don't know like they seem to have like very similar personalities and they're both like strong and driven and like I mean obviously Sherry's an asshole and Sabrina's (laughs) you know just (laughs) strong and driven yeah Sherry yeah sherry's a little a little bit more uh malicious but it does seem like they do just have those like like they could work really well together but they just don't and i guess to be fair the sherry and sabrina's feud is based in a little bit more of a a real thing i guess or not a real thing because i mean I'm thinking a little bit more business related yeah in the fact that like I guess I'm mostly thinking about the fact that Sherry apparently inherited her dad's penchant for not paying people for their work which is really shitty and so I guess Sabrina was like not getting paid and having to like force Sherry to pay her and uh that that to me was like more of like a 
like an interesting feud as opposed to like you know Polly who was painted as like very jealous and I'm like I don't need to hear that I don't believe she is you know that kind of thing um so back to dinner I guess yeah and uh Quillerin go out to dinner I think the only isn't there only like one bit of information isn't she the one in this dinner that uh reveals that um and she doesn't even use her name but she reveals that Vonda Dudley Wicks was actually JJ's uh mistress oh yeah that was in this dinner I feel like was that it like I know they had like a bunch yeah of that's kind of it they talked a, a little bit about Sherry but nothing like super important um, other than her looks, apparently Quillerin found a picture and was like, Whoa, what a, what a sight. Ooh, <laughs> like not in a good way. And, uh, oh my God. Sabrina was like, oh, don't worry. She's gotten work done since then. So don't oh worry. My God, we, that's haven't, right. <laughs> we haven't, Ugh. um, exited the, the shallowness of, you know, the sexist culture that <laughs> is prominent yeah. in these books. It's so much, like, it's so extra in this book too. Like there's. Oh, what was it? There was something later that was like, I can't remember something about like that. She was like, it was another of those like one line comments of like, oh, she was almost attractive, but or, you know, like something like that. Yeah. Although, oh, yeah, it was chrysalis at the end. Oh, okay, yeah, because she was like feeling better. She was like finally happy and Quiller was like, whoa, look at that. Yeah, he was almost sad to leave. And it's like, well, now that she looks better. I actually, there were a couple times when those comments came up and I actually found myself like that one, but also including some of the other ones that did seem more like baseline sexist. And I did find Mm -hmm. myself kind of giving Lillian Jackson Braun a little bit more benefit of the doubt because there were a couple other jokes in this that just struck me as so dry and so like sarcastic that I was like, oh my God part of me wonders if like some of those lines are just more like she's writing Quillerin as a dumbass and not as like <laughs> that she actually believes those things so part of me was like oh my god am I like starting are, we, are we missing something here? I know part of me was like oh my god do I have to like revisit my entire like thought process on these books I so, mean I don't know maybe I don't yeah I don't know question mark I mean we are getting later and later in the timeline of like real life so maybe Lillian Jackson run is like developing a little bit more in her like not just in her writing style but in her like personal beliefs that's true I mean this actually this was written I'm just pulling up the date here this was 1992 as opposed to one of the first books we read I think was 80s I think yeah so yeah we could we could be seeing a little process here a little growth a little little personal growth (laughs) yeah um so I guess you know it's funny I feel like I'm about to say my tagline that you're probably going to prove wrong (laughs) in one second (laughs) but like I feel like there wasn't a ton in between like Quiller and Leaves goes to dinner and then he goes he heads back up to Tip Top and like a lot happens but like a lot it just all of a sudden kind of fast forwards to the climax yeah yeah it kind of yeah, it really kind of does. So we, the only oh, thank other, God. Like, <laughs> thank God you agree. <laughs> I the only you were other, like, be like, yeah, there was a whole big other thing that was happening. <laughs> no, I don't think so. The only other, like, semi notable thing from the conversation with Sabrina is we don't learn she has a husband at that moment in time, oh, but right. we do learn about her 
husband unknowing that it's her husband it doesn't really play a role in the rest of the story so it's not like that big of a surprise to find out that her business partner slash boss like she married him yeah this like older older man who owns the design company but we she does like talk about him and how she came to work for her design company a little bit and Quiller and was like why is she talking about this man so much we come yeah. to find out that that is her husband <laughs> yeah it truly only plays a role in Quiller personal life and his yeah. affections <laughs> right exactly so he's slightly disappointed but I mean given what happens at the end of the book like should he really be like investing his time and effort in these other women because we have a profession at the end yeah but yeah, we do we get yeah to a very deep place <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway so he is he's a little disappointed that sabrina's married but it like yeah. i i feel like it probably kind of like rolled off him pretty easily yeah as it seems um, like most do he kind of goes through his yeah. like he's kind of a drama queen he's kind of like oh my god do you know what he's kind of like he's a little bit like tina belcher how she's so boy crazy <laughs> He's yeah, a little bit he's like totally, that, just crushing on everyone. Yeah, he just like yeah, he falls very easily into into the crush realm. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. Oh my god. Um so, Yeah, so I guess yeah. is the next important thing the the restaurant, the potato Yeah. The potato restaurant. So. <laughs> yeah. Where Quillen finally learns the true reason why the mountains are oh called potato mountains i was like that line i was like okay i assumed that from the beginning like what yeah i don't know i mean i guess i guess they mostly sold turnips and it sounds like they export their potatoes because they're yeah, so incredibly delicious right. but yeah so Quil- Quillerin goes to this restaurant and he's like i want a steak without the potato and everyone's like <gasps> <laughs> yeah <laughs> like horrified <laughs> the waitress is like but have you had our potatoes before corn's like no i want a steak without the potato like i said um so they go back and forth a little bit and then the woman there's like a woman sitting behind him or something in another booth and she turns and is like um you should really get the potato yeah uh, so he's like all right fine i'll get the potato um and it is in fact the most delicious potato he has ever had in his life he's so excited about it <laughs> i did love the image yeah. of like so he, de- he does describe the woman that turns out to be, spoiler alert, Sherry, mm-hmm. um, because she has come in from, uh, you know, to try to convince Quillerin to buy Tip Top. Um, but he doesn't know that at this point. And so she's just sitting there as a- another diner and she's like, yeah, you should really get the potato. And then he like looks around the restaurant and like everyone else has potatoes and they're all eating them just like, like they're in love with the potato. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, all right, I guess I'll get the potato. Like, it just was so funny. And then was it then that that she, that Sherry was like, yeah, that's why we're called the Potato Mountains. We're, like, known for potatoes or something like that. And it was, like, this revelation to Quiller. And it was yeah. like, but they're called the Potato Mountains. You wouldn't yeah. assume that potatoes are grown there? No, I think he came to that realization on his own because Sherry had left by the time he got his potato. Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> but, yeah, he took a bite and was like, I guess this is why they're called the Potato Mountains. <laughs> like, uh, hello? <laughs> Although, to be fair, I think that someone else had described the Potato Mountains earlier as call- being called the Potato Mountains because they look like potatoes, but... Like potatoes, which is, the, like, the dumbest... Like, any every mountain looks yes. like a potato. 
yes a hundred percent agree with that statement like, it's a mound of <laughs> a massive mound of dirt basically like yes. you, you can't make a mountain not look like a potato which basically is what a potato is they are grown in the dirt they are little lumps of dirt like they <laughs> are just it's just always yeah. gonna yes so yeah so then the next thing so yeah Quillern has his um his you know steak and potato and his life changing potato experience i think he actually even calls it a potato experience at one point which i just was like that's the name of a band that (laughs) is not doing well um but so then he leaves to go back to tip top and as he's driving he is like so apparently it's really foggy and really um a little bit treacherous the more the higher up he gets on Mm -hmm. um big potato up towards tip top and um he all of a sudden comes upon A car accident. A car accident. You know, I'm flipping through the book and we actually did miss a couple of important things. Oh, god damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, was Uh, it finding? Because he finds some stuff. He goes back Yeah. So, yeah. So, real real quickly before we get to the car accident. um, So, Quillerin went... Okay, first of all, his cat gazebo got finished. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And he paid without checking it out so we'll have more funny (laughs) stories about that later on that's right which is funny thinking about sorry we'll tell you that part later we're really dangling a lot of teasers here i know but the yeah the the second thing is he went back into jj's office and found the last story that he wrote before he died and so that will come into play later but right now we don't get any details about it yeah it was another lillian jackson braun moment where we we know that it's important because of the way Quiller and acts about it and also because we don't get to know what it says <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah so then flash forward again to the accident it's sherry <gasps> so yeah she she like ran into a tree or something i can't remember how the weather is at this it's like super foggy i think is the yeah the weather at the time so she probably just like you know in the fog didn't see what was coming up and ended up like crashed into a tree so she was fine um her car was ruined but then like she couldn't get out so Quillerin ran for help got everyone everyone involved um eventually got her out yeah this was like I mean it was like a whole thing but it like doesn't really like play into anything other than like she was a little bit shaken by the time he got her up to tip top so she like started drinking right away yeah I think it was interesting because it was like it was kind of an interesting new way to like lead up to the climax of the story because you know kind of typically we have Quillerin sort of I mean I guess technically he did invite her to tip top um Mm -hmm. to kind of shake her down for information but this was like it felt like kind of a little bit of like a breaking of that mold of like he kind of in in a way saved her I mean I don't know that she was in any immediate danger but she was panicking really hard that she was trapped in the car and she kept saying is it gonna explode and Clarence was like no it's probably not gonna explode you're just trapped like the car the door she seems like a for sure drama queen yeah yeah she's yeah very quickly but it does kind of like work out really well for Quillerin and his uh um I guess tendency to have (laughs) to invite murderers into his house yeah slight spoiler alert but because Sherry doesn't have a car anymore she invited her friend 
over to mm-hmm. come like drive her around and like pick her up afterwards yeah um and so she gets she and Quillerin get up to tip top and they kind of like start having a conversation and start like talking about you know the the house and you know is he is he not gonna buy it I don't know if they really like go into anything super important in this like first conversation before she takes a nap you know what we also I can't believe I'm now the one who remembered something that we missed (gasps) there are two more other small plot points that we missed so uh once Quillerin finds this letter he takes it to um Colin Carmichael the editor and yeah, he actually okay. reads it aloud to Colin because I think he's like not sure if Colin is like involved or not. So Colin's like, let me see that. And he's like, Quillerin's like, I'll read it to you, which I thought was funny. <laughs> and so he reads this article and this article is pretty blistering about um, this like huge corruption scam. So it's from J.J. Hawkinfield has written this uh, as the previous editor of the newspaper has written this like blasting expose on uh a big conspiracy-ish, um, but also true, uh, sort of like corporate corruption-y, scandal-y situation in which a lot of high, higher-ups in Spudsboro, so the Spuds, um, mm-hmm. are running this illegal moonshine ring and that it's being like filtered through, like processed in somewhere on the mountain and then invested in by people in Spudsboro and um, just like a ring of and then at the end I think he even like doesn't really name names but he also is like and like it involves your the local golfer and like your sheriff and like all these people that it's like he didn't say names but people can obviously infer oh and like the defense attorney like a defense attorney who you know we've already had suspicions yeah. of because i don't know if he was like even that explicit because i think it ended with like even your like friendly neighborhood uncle and everyone oh, calls right. the sheriff uncle something something so it wasn't that's like right. you would be able to read it and be like that sheriff did it you know it was like yeah. if you knew the kind of the local lingo and like the inside jokes of the town you would be able to get it but like no one reading it from outside the town i think you know yeah no so it was like a, it was like a little yeah. bit more subtle yeah for sure and he actually the other small plot point is that he does actually go to the former sheriff who was supposedly ousted by jj at one point or like literally just a few years before this and mm-hmm. um he goes to him with this uh editorial before it, it so this was supposed to be printed like after jj was murdered um mm-hmm is the other big thing and so Quillerin is like well this is pretty seems pretty obvious to me that he was killed because he was about to print this and so he goes to Josh Lumpton I think isn't that the yeah the, the sheriff yeah yeah he was like more I think more explicitly described in the article than anyone else yeah and so Quillerin is, you know, very suspicious. And so he goes and kind of shakes him down. Like he plays nice at first. And then he's like, did you, I mean, I don't think he actually asks him, did you kill JJ? But he's kind of like heavily implying things. Yeah. And we get, so this was actually part of the Sabrina conversation before she's the one who was like, oh, you're going to talk to Sheriff, what's his name? Like, don't listen to anything Uncle Josh says. Oh yeah, that's right. And so that's where we we learn the nickname 
that we then read later in the article. But that's also kind of where we get the impression that he is not a very honest person. And it's funny (laughs) because that whole conversation that he had with him was just like the most ridiculous and like contrary to every other part of the book that we had read so far because he started asking like, oh, tell me about JJ. And the sheriff was like, oh my God, everyone loved him. He was so great. Like what a wonderful guy. And Quillen's like, well, didn't he oust you? Like, no, I just didn't try very hard. I didn't even campaign. (laughs) Like I was ready to leave. Don't even worry about it. You know, like God, just everything had a like easy explanation in that conversation. And so we get the like, okay, this guy is very, he's covering something up. He's just like full of it trying to paint a very different picture than what like everyone else seems to know yeah Um, and then the other part actually going back to Quillerin's meeting with Carmichael is that uh, Carmichael kind of acts kind of weird too and at first I kind of thought like oh is he in on this too and I think Quillerin actually says too like are you in is the Gazette in on this too and Colin's like Colin Carmichael is like um, wouldn't tell you if I was <laughs> yeah I mean basically yeah <laughs> but he was like also like there are uh, undercover FBI agents here now and they're actually looking into all of this and there's gonna be a bust any day and Quillerin's like huh <laughs> like what <laughs> yeah yeah and one of my other favorite parts about the ending which doesn't quite give anything away yet and I'm probably gonna forget to say it later so I thought I'd say it now is that as Quillerin is like pondering all of the we do get a couple unanswered questions at the end of this just Mm -hmm. also small spoiler alert to prepare everyone because as Quillerin and it was like drawn attention to too because at the end Quillerin is like did that like something about this and this and I'm like oh yeah wait we never found out about that yeah um there was a question that Quillerin asked himself of like oh was um the the um, nice baker who said that he was from Akron, Ohio. Is he actually an undercover FBI agent? And I was like, no one thought that until you said that. <laughs> but is he? <laughs> but I guess, I mean, yeah. I mean, the FBI agents had to blend in somewhere in the story. Either they're like vaca- vacationers, quote unquote, or they're yeah. like bakers. I don't know. They're like somewhere <laughs> in the, they're obviously somewhere in the town. They had to be planted somewhere. That's true yeah so yeah sorry that I think those were the two things that we had missed on the way because then I think that yeah then those, those, were, those were pretty important points that like I guess I kind of like breezed through them because I was like I don't think I care about this but I'm like <laughs> I know it's important but it just seems so absurd yeah. that I like don't even like I'm gonna just ignore that this is part of the the murder plot because I just want to know who murdered the guy I know it is funny like this one this book in particular but also kind of kind of all of them I don't really know what I'm about to say but the fact that like a lot of times leading up to finding out who committed the crime it just seems like Quillerin does so many like semi-boring errands and it's it's kind of like you have to like force yourself to like be interested because you're like you're just going to get a potato like what what yeah but it I mean it it tied in it did that it did yeah yeah then yeah going back to so sherry quiller and rescues sherry he calls the new sheriff uh Mm -hmm. del wilbank 
or he like runs up to his house which is the other place we get cooler and being like i can run he's just like sprinting up the up the <laughs> hill and is like yeah i'm fine and so he gets the sheriff they you know pry sherry out of the car and he makes a very i think extra smart because Quillerin has made a mistake in this regard before he invites the Wilbanks and it seems very casual too like you don't really know that he was a sly until later but he invites the Wilbanks up to have cocktails with him at promptly 5 p.m that night mm. and yes. so it is you know afternoon ish time and so he's um and then he you know they head their separate ways and then Quillerin takes Sherry up to tip top and proceeds to get her drunk <laughs> yeah well she kind of like gets herself drunk a little bit she's like oh i'm so shaken up i want all the all the things that's um, true Willard is like do you want a nap do you want a shower do you want a drink and she's like all of the above which i don't blame. all of the above yeah so i don't think anything really important happens before she takes she like has a couple drinks and then goes to, to take a nap except for we we do find out that she's not terrified of cats (laughs) she's specifically terrified of siamese cats (laughs) yeah like makes goes out of her way to be like no cats are fine i'm terrified of siamese cats and it's like what i don't i'm sorry Of, (laughs) of all the things to be like terrified of a specific like genre of something like i get you know like i'm I don't feel like there are, like, specific breeds of dogs that are, like, particularly aggressive. Like, I think it's all about, like, the owner and the upbringing and all of that. But, like, I get how people could be, like, scared of, like, specific breeds of dogs because they're so different. But, like, to be scared of a specific breed of cat is, like, a little out of control. (laughs) Right. It's almost as if, like, and, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't know specific breeds. Like, I feel like specific breeds of cats are not as well known even just like most cats are just like domestic short hair cats yeah or you know like then they're there all are... kind of the they're all kind of the same yeah and then it's you funny know that, like it seems like she opened a book once and was like i hate that cat and that like, one that's the <laughs> yeah. only other breed of cat you're gonna see like what <laughs> yeah it yeah it wasn't even like black cats you know like that's, that's a true. normal superstition <laughs> yeah. that's true it wasn't even like based in anything that we could possibly pull out of our asses to be like okay maybe it's related to this yeah no it was like Truly these nothing. are the cats in the house and so these are the ones that i hate <laughs> yeah, that's true that's actually an interesting point because what if she was just such a drama queen she was making it up and she just was like causing drama to be like well, i hate siamese <laughs> cats so i'm different <laughs> maybe yeah i don't know yeah there's i don't yeah i don't know there's <laughs> so nothing strange. about siamese cats that are like particularly fear inducing <laughs> no although i like, did maybe play... their eyes maybe the, because they're big i don't know they are big and they do have i mean i am not defending sherry hawkenfield in any way shape or form but i will say i mean i personally love their their the way that they cry they're like yowls but they do have a very interesting like vocal patterns too yeah i mean i recently discovered found out read an article i don't know if this is made up or not but um <laughs> in what <laughs> wherever i read this um said that cats don't cry except around people and it's like something they developed to like mimic babies to like try to garner our sympathy or like garner terrifying and wonderful which is absolutely (laughs) 
horrifying and as soon as I read that I was like oh god (laughs) gross it's crazy and great yeah but at the same time I have noticed that since owning cats I will be out in public and hear a baby cry and like sometimes think it's a cat oh sure yeah 100 percent yeah so like they do sound similar enough that like you know, so maybe she's just kind of like picking up on that kind of creepiness. Maybe like Siamese cats sound specifically like babies. I really like the conversation we just had, but I think we're giving her too much credit. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm you're not right. sure she's, she's just a crazy awesome. person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Siamese cats are fine. <laughs> she's just a dramatic murderer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although she did not murder. I that's true well i will point that out that's true she's a she's dramatic, a dramatic accomplice. Accomplice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. wait did you just say the same thing i did yeah i did <laughs> oh perfect um yeah so okay so yeah so they have a little little uh you know happy hour they quiller and make some very good um what did she ask for manhattans no it wasn't a manhattan yeah it was something that he immediately knew how to make and I was like how do you know how to make that drink it did reveal a little bit about his past because I don't think I had known that Quillerin was a bartender at one point in his life yeah I mean I think that was before probably any of the books started didn't it say when he was in college yeah I think it said when he, he was like, in college yeah he like worked his way through college as a bartender which isn't I mean that's not uncommon a lot of people do that no no but I feel like it completes just like a look like a Quillerin look yeah like it makes sense yeah. somehow it does make sense I imagine that he was a bartender at like like a like a fancy underground I don't know what you would call it like what are those places that are like from the 20s you know oh, when, like, like yeah one of those <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm imagining I'm imagining him with his like giant mustache as a 20 year old I was just, just like, like yeah I was just thinking like okay you're not far off with the mustache that's not a bad not a bad point like maybe like crossing the line between like hipster and grungy like I could see that yeah um but yeah so okay so Quillerin makes these perfect drinks Sherry drinks two of them gets drunk and then Uh Quillerin like starts to imply some things like I think he starts to tell her that he is well we have an important discovery when she's not in the room so she goes to take a nap she goes to take a nap, and in between their important conversations, Coco does some sleuthing. That's right. And, well, Coco has been sleuthing this entire time. Quillerin does some listening to Coco's sleuthing. <laughs> yeah, finally listening. Finally, yeah. So Coco goes to the, like, desk or the, the like, whatever giant piece of furniture is covering the door that he keeps, like, rolling around near and under yeah yeah it's and a- he starts like pawing underneath of it and Quillerin's like fine I'll look under here and so he looks and it's just like a bunch of dust bunnies he's like no I'm not going I'm not going there Coco yeah but um Coco convinces him he keeps Coco's pawing very insistent. he's very insistent <laughs> and so Quillerin takes like an umbrella no a, he a takes- stick no it's his a- cane yeah, yeah, it's his cane. It's like a hooked cane, oh, okay. which is really funny because yeah. it's like I was picturing him like pulling someone off stage, but <laughs> he's pulling a murder evidence out. <laughs> pulling murder evidence. Yeah, so he like put it goes through him like swiping under the desk a bunch of times, and he pulls out like 
a bunch of dust bunnies and is like, no, absolutely not. This is stupid. I'm not doing this. And uh, then he like goes. Too. He calls them dust kittens. Dust kittens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quillen has a special name for dust bunnies. Because <laughs> he is a, he is the craziest of cat ladies. <laughs> He's a, a special, a special man. I <laughs> uh, guess yeah so he what does he pull out next he pulls out like a dog bone and like oh, a yeah. squeaky toy and like a bouncy ball and like some random things and then he pulls out the specialist of dust kitties <laughs> and we, we don't know what's in it but we know that it is so unique that he's like this is it this is the evidence mm-hmm. this is the dust i've been looking for yep and again we don't get to know what's in it we yeah no we don't get to know what's in it until the next scene so sherry comes back down and do they have they i, I mean I, they have another conversation i guess but the the next important thing that happens is uh when her friend shows up oh yes her friend shows up her friend the golfer slash attorney <laughs> slash sheriff's son slash her potential fiance no they were married yeah they were actually married so sorry everyone i think this was actually also in the conversation with sabrina that we might have left out but uh we do find out that sherry was actually married to i think his name is hugh hugh is the son hugh lumpton i think this might have actually been in a different part of the book like i I can't remember if we talked about it at all, but I think this was in, like, a previous section that we first find out that they were involved. Oh, I thought it was, because I thought I read it today, but maybe, yeah, I could be Um, wrong. Maybe it was in the chapter that I thought was last time. (laughs) Oh, maybe. (laughs) Fair. Yeah, I feel like I read it a while ago that we found out that they were involved, but maybe it was this section and I just read it a while ago. (laughs) We'll never know again. We'll never know. (laughs) But yeah, she, uh, so she had married Hugh, but then her father, her father didn't approve and was like threatening to disown her. Yeah. Or was that? Yeah. yeah. I think her father, sorry, can you hear someone scratching in the letter box? Oh my God. No. Oh, you can't hear it. Okay, good. I don't think so. Okay, good. Yeah. So yeah, I think, so Sherry had married Hugh and then her dad, I think it was born out of that whole thing of, like, him finding out, JJ finding out about the moonshine ring and, like, feeling like the whole, um, like, a bunch of people in the community were corrupt. And so I think he was like, you know, I don't approve of this. And, yeah, I think he threatened to disinherit her. And because she was so money-oriented, she was like, okay, fine, I'll get an annulment. And then she did. And then it just sounds like a progression of like assholes being assholes to each other. Because even though we get like yeah. a different side of JJ, it's like he was still a terrible asshole too. And so, yeah. yeah so and that to- obviously didn't stop her from like having a relationship with this man. They just had a relationship right. from like long distance and not married. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. It didn't actually like stop anything. It just, yeah. I don't know. And then he also it was just like a power died. play. <laughs> yeah, and also when JJ died, he didn't even like she wasn't even in the will except to inherit Tip Top, which was clearly a, like a fuck you to her. Right. 
anyway, yeah, so her friend, yeah. quote unquote, turns out to be Hugh Lumpton, who was the defense attorney who fucked up Forrest's mm-hmm. trial. And mm-hmm. in that, we also find out is Sherry's long lost husband lover from high school person. And also a semi professional golfer, we find out. And that does not matter at all. Yes. He's like, oh, I'm no, going but- to be in a tournament. <laughs> We're like, we don't care. Nope, we don't care. Yeah. Because I think, so, like, they have a whole thing where, like, because they start so, oh, so, right, this is what happens. So, Quilleran, so, now that Hugh has shown up at Tip Top, and, like, they kind of, Quilleran, like, goes into the kitchen to, like, get some hors d'oeuvres and, um, I think, more drinks. And as he's coming back out, he notices that Hugh and Sherry are, like, whispering to each other and he was like it wasn't sweet nothings like he could tell by the tone of it but he was like you know kind of the topic of the conversation of them being like he's guessing but he was like they were probably comparing notes of like how much does he know what does he know you know like kind yeah, of yeah because he's been he's been asking questions and sherry noticed that the desk was like a little bit off center so you could see like a sliver of the office door that's right. That she tried to hide behind the furniture. So Quillard's mm-hmm. like, oh no, she like absolutely knows I was in there. Yeah. So I think they're like, they're probably getting pretty suspicious as they should be. And Quillard like doesn't really wait very long before he's like, um, I, so I'm writing a book about your father and I have all this evidence and I pretty sure i know who murdered him yeah although he does wait a very specific amount of time that again i thought was like really subtly and well done because he kind of was like you know in his mind was saying things like well i knew i had to wait a little bit longer before i could really press them so he kind of slowly builds up and we don't get why but then he does start to kind of you know talk about the quote-unquote book biography that he's writing on jj hawkinfield which of course he even says he's not writing (laughs) right Um, yeah but yeah then he so yeah right he basically like lays out of like the whole idea of how he thinks a group of a number of people he even from the beginning i think is like well definitely the wrong person is in prison for this oh because he lays out how Mm -hmm. he starts by saying like this is how i want to write the biography and so that's when they start kind of panicking because he's like, I'm going to start the biography with the murder and then I'm going to go through his life and then end it dramatically with the trial and say like, well, the trial was, um, you know, rigged and the wrong person is in jail. And he was like, don't you think that'd make a very dramatic, you know, um, mm. book? And they're kind of like, no, that sounds terrible. Don't write it. <laughs> we don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he does lay out. I think he brings... He eventually like brings the the article up and is like, well, I found this article. So like that kind of lays out the scandal. And so I think someone involved with this and something, you know, like someone involved in the trial and like maybe there was perjury and like all of that. He kind of like lays out exactly how he is assuming it happened and we're pretty sure it actually did happen yeah so he kind of like lays out his theory which is like pretty spot on and then and once again Quillerin has a murderer in his house and he accuses them of being a murderer (laughs) like what do you think happened (laughs) yep 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 although we can say mild spoiler this time he has planned for it in the slightest although it's a very tenuous like way that he planned for it 
Yeah. So we finally learned what the secret dust bunny was. The like big, the big reveal. He pulls out his special evidence bunny. And... <laughs> kitten. <laughs> kitten. <laughs> kitten. His evidence kitten. <laughs> Oh my god. I need a shirt that says Evidence Kitten right now. <laughs> and it's just like a ball of hair. <laughs> yeah, it's just like like a little yarn ball because that would be I know that doesn't really pertain to the story, but that would be great. Oh my god, I need it. I need it. Yeah. So this this little kitty, this evidence, <laughs> this ball of evidence dust. Evidence <laughs> dust. <laughs> is literally just a ball of like blonde hair (laughs) it truly truly is just it's lint i think they say it's lint too and dust and blonde hair ash blonde hair he says which is blonde hair yeah so it's different from all of the other dust bunnies because we get very specifically sherry is described as having like raven dark hair Mm -hmm. and i would assume that if she has raven dark hair that like most of her family also probably does too although the mother is described as having gray hair oh that's right yeah but like maybe they're probably a a dark-haired family like i would assume that yeah because this this dust bunny is so different i would assume that most of the other ones he pulled out were probably like brunette hairs yeah and so he pulls this one and is like that's not a family member yep and he brings it into the room as he's confronting sherry and hugh and i just imagine like i know he doesn't do this but i just imagined him being like and look what i found and like (laughs) comically like holding it up to hugh's head and being like hmm what do you think hugh (laughs) Is this your hair match? (laughs) Yeah. So Hugh, in response, decides to (laughs) clobber Quillerin with a chair. Yeah. And again, this this part Quillerin is truly not ready for. Like, this is another part where Quillerin almost died by hand of the murderer that he accused. Yeah, but I will say he jumped too pretty quickly because, like, in the previous stories, Coco saved him and someone else the like quiet guy who drops a a tapestry on the oh yeah the guy that's like like, take me home i'm an old man (laughs) yeah yeah so in in other scenarios quillerin has been like conveniently saved by someone else this one he actually like reacts to himself and i was i was a little impressed by quillerin i must say so he he pulls the lit candelabra (laughs) yeah that's true that he the like massive like cast iron candelabra that he bought <laughs> from the taters with like burning candles in him in them <laughs> <laughs> and he just like spears the guy <laughs> truly just and... like runs at him with a giant yeah, like with hundred pound candlestick yeah made of brass and fire <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's not like it's not sharp and pointy so he does not get skewered fortunately we don't have any accidental deaths in this scene right. but um as you can imagine he he does double over pretty hard and quillerin then clobbers him with a bowl over the head oh that's right he uses his bowl he uses yeah, all so... of his purchases from <laughs> potato <laughs> cove all of his uh expensive high ticket item purchases that uh yeah that he ends up spoiler alert leaving behind because I he was... loses interest in them <laughs> i was just gonna say literally he 
says that he has lost interest in them and i'm like yeah. okay you can't say that you are like a spendthrift anymore like you You're buy things willy-nilly and then leave like discard yeah. them yeah oh my God. but they did save his life so that's true like it wasn't an excessive purchase i mean it was but it wasn't like a useless excessive purchase that's so true. he he like uh like battering ram got the the guy <laughs> with his uh lit candelabra and then clobbers him over the head with the the massive wooden bowl so the attorney is out and then sherry is useless so she's just like panicking in the corner and he's like all right sit in the chair panic in the corner while you sit and wait for the sheriff to come <laughs> and he he calls the cats down to guard her which i think is hilarious because oh, she's terrified of them i love that part like he looks at coco and he keeps calling treat too so he's like treat come here cats and like the cats come and he's like coco watch her and coco just like sits there and glares at her and she's like Meow. yeah so good yeah so we have the the downed attorney and the petrified accomplice and then the sheriff shows up right the sheriff shows up for his uh 5 p.m cocktails with quiller (laughs) which is obviously not getting served to him because he's on duty now he has to take care of a couple of murders and i love that they make the point too like lillian jackson braun to her credit makes the point to be like and sheriff Wilbrook, as he left said that he was declining cocktails for now and it was like well yeah obviously (laughs) (laughs) but just to be polite i love that but uh so basically the the uh idea that quillerin has laid out and and does definitely become the case is that uh sherry had actually tipped off hugh so Hugh's a part of this like whole ring of uh, corruption and bootlegging. And as she, d- as Sherry discovers that her dad has found out about it, um, that's when she sets up the whole plot to get Forrest to come to the house and to sort of make it look like he was there when he wasn't. And then that well, other he was he well, just wasn't true. there during the murder. That's true, right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. So yeah, she definitely laid all the plans to set him up. Yeah, while her her husband killed JJ, and basically that's kind of it, right? And actually, then they you know they go into the whole thing too of like you know talking about how involved she was because not only did she sort of set the whole thing in motion, but then she was also the one who you know just lied on stand, perjured Perjured herself, Yeah. yeah perjured herself and they were even he was even saying you know they probably enlisted the help of uh verna what's her her name her husband who died of a heart attack oh yeah right verona dudley wicks verona yeah that they probably enlisted his help and the stress of it was potentially what caused the heart attack right because it did seem like right that they were going to have him testify on you know mm-hmm. on behalf of some of these things that yeah yeah um so right so they're taken away uh and then quiller is like i need to call polly i need to tell her all about this and he oh yeah now a whole set of events go into motion because i was getting to i don't know about you but i got to this point and there were still like 10 pages left in the book and i was like yeah was like, what's, about what's to happen? gonna happen yeah yeah Oh, it was a mess. Oh, it was a hot fucking mess. 
Mm-hmm. So Quillerin calls Polly intending to be like, you know, brag to her about solving this mm-hmm. new new crime and uh well, new old crime. And um mm-hmm. he doesn't get a chance to because Polly is like, Oh, Quill, I have to tell you this like terrible thing that just happened to me. And so she tells Quillerin that she has basically just been followed by she like had gotten into her car and this like man was following her in her car was like waiting for her to get into her car and then like followed her to her house right and then like the guy gets out of the car and kind of not like yeah I don't think yeah I don't think she saw who it was at the beginning it was just like a car that was kind of like waiting there and so she started she got in her car and started driving and the car followed her and then as she parked she saw like a figure get out of the car and so she just like bolted into her house right right. so we get literally that's the only information we get yeah like we don't get any information about like did he come to the house did he knock on the door like who was it did she like peek out the window to try to see who it was right. did she tell anyone and tell did she leave anything did he leave anything was he actually just an amazon delivery man right delivery yeah, person like, we don't know he just trying to like you know tell her some news like is he a family attorney just trying to like did like a great uncle pass did she inherit something you know like did we he don't leave have a any subpoena on her door <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah did he uh i don't know any number of things he could he was yeah. not described in any detail but i guess it is fair to say he was like creepily waiting for her creepily followed her home and then like it was pretty late at night so yeah it does seem a little a little out of the ordinary and i think she did report it to the sheriff maybe yeah yeah i think she did yeah yeah so quillard gets this news and obviously like is completely distraught and blows it completely out of proportion and is like someone's trying to kidnap her i'm coming home immediately oh my god he calls the so yeah his first thought is that he's such a fucking big shot that someone's trying to kidnap Polly to get a ransom from him to get his, like, newly inherited millions. Which, I mean, knowing where the series could go, like, I don't know that that's yeah, not true, I mean, but I, yeah. It's, it's not a 0% chance, but, like, that's not exactly what I would jump to. Right, that's not, maybe that's not the first thought <laughs> that you should think, Quillard. Yeah, exactly. It's very, I mean, definitely props on him for taking it very seriously, that was good but also right it's like the conclusion you came to from very little information is pretty right yeah um yeah so he's like i'm coming home immediately expect me in like four days because that's how long it takes (laughs) him to drive anywhere with cats in the car yeah um and then we get so he you know basically spends the it's already night so he's like okay i'm leaving like in the morning and he, like, has kind of a fitful night's sleep because it's, like, really thundering out, like, lightning, like, really big storm. And then in the middle of the night, they hear this huge, huge noise. Um, and after, like, failing a number of times to find the right, like, news station, he finally does get, like, an emergency channel on the radio uh, that the cats probably turned on that was saying that the dam broke the one that like everyone was like why did jj build this this is so like environmentally wrong like this is against the way that like this yeah exactly shoddy shoddy marksmanship he didn't do any of the like 
permitting or yeah right just no like research into it anything you like actually yeah, need so, to make a thing work so it broke it broke <laughs> hard and uh surprise surprise and it turns out because quillerin is on the top of the mountain it floods like every fucking thing else except his house so they're just like trapped now in tip top yeah so it kind of sounds like the lake was like probably a little bit below him but that when it was dammed it stopped a waterfall and so when it when the dam broke obviously this like massive flood of water came and you know it became a waterfall again but the waterfall ran like where all of the development was and so it just kind of like took like millions of dollars worth of property down So, like, basically anyone who was living below Quillerin in Tip Top got, like, washed down the mountain. Yeah. So it was, like, it wasn't, like, oh, you know, a little bit of water is, like, flooding the roadway. It was, like, no, that entire way down the mountain is, like, you're done. You're stranded. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, like, no one else is around to save you because we don't know if they are still even on the mountain no it's quite true. frankly it's like a massive natural disaster well man-made disaster it would be a man-made disaster i think it point, would huh? be yeah because it was even though the lake was natural the dam was made yeah by jj so yeah, yeah. so quiller in, in a moment of smart ish idea <laughs> realizes that that there was a back road that chrysalis had showed him when chrysalis brought him back up from dinner that one night and was saying like I need you to see something. Here's all the like deforestation that they're doing. And here's, I don't know that they actually see the dam, but they kind of are, you know, talking about all of the, just everything that JJ did in general. And mm-hmm. they see a lot of the effects of that, that Chrysalis wanted to show Quillerin. So yeah. So that road apparently is separate from Hawk's Nest Drive, which is the main road in and out. So Quillerin initially thought they were trapped and then was like, wait, there's another road that we could try so he packs every well, I was gonna say he packs everything up. He packs very little up. He takes the cats, he takes the capes. <laughs> yep. And can't forget those bat capes. No, can't cannot forget his lady friends in his dire moment of need. <laughs> yeah. Um and so that's basically all he takes. Like he takes what he brought, he takes yeah. the cats and, and then the capes are the only other thing. And that's where we get him saying that he is no longer interested in many of his extravagant yeah. purchases. Yeah, which I guess like you're in that kind of disaster maybe I wouldn't be super interested in like anything that I couldn't carry true that's true yeah you're just trying to get home to someone that's having another hard time and yeah I do get it and he's like panicking because he is traveling down a back road that's very underdeveloped and in a rainstorm after the entire mountain got flushed down into the valley although before he leaves one of maybe the funniest things to me of this book is that as he's leaving he's running out he even takes the time to like load the cats in the car and get back out to inspect the gazebo (laughs) 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 that uh forrest's dad oh my gosh that gazebo oh my god yeah because he's like he's like oh all these things that like i'm no longer interested in and oh the gazebo that my cats will never use (laughs) it's so beautiful like what workmanship wait a minute (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute where's the door yeah it's like this beautifully crafted gazebo that's like all like screened in 
but you can't get in or out of it. Yeah. It's like just purely ornamental. Yeah, just fair, <laughs> which was probably a fair assumption on the handyman's part to be like, he just wants this to look pretty. Like there are just so many rich people on yeah. the mountain that like this, like excessive millionaire just wants a weird <laughs> lawn ornament. <laughs> and it's true too that Quillerin made a point to never tell him what it was gonna be for. So he never said that he was gonna go into the gazebo. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. He never said that this is a gazebo for my cats to enjoy the outdoors without being let outdoors. Because <laughs> he was embarrassed, which is a lesson to us all. Never be embarrassed of your cat needs. <laughs> yeah. Or you get a gazebo with no door. Yes, that's true. So then Quillerin heads down the mountain in the mud. Yeah. Um, yeah, he heads down while well, he tries to head down. This The mountain is covered in mud, as you can imagine there's like i mean it's basically like a mudslide and so his he and his tiny little is this the the same car that he had in that book the like purple the eggplant or whatever he called it the blueberry blueberry. (laughs) yeah no it's not that one because he keeps describing it as like brown but it's also second like second hand like they always you know again make all the points to be like he didn't spend money he was used to not spending money on things so he bought this like crapper car yeah, I kind of I'm kind of picturing it as like a Camry, like a 12 year old Camry from like the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's not wrong. not that Camrys are terrible cars, but like he could probably get away with driving like a super old one, and it's like probably still running fine, but it's not a great car yeah. anymore. I was picturing I know this is wrong too, but I was picturing Dad's old little hatchback Toyota, those like really boxy ones. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> But either way. Also probably from the Yeah, days. also, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, either way, the car gets very stuck and Quillerin has another moment mm-hmm. of like, well, fuck, what do I do? Like, no yeah. cell phone. Do I walk back up? Do I leave the cat? Yeah. Heaven forbid. I know. Yeah. And in another moment of Quillerin luck, he magically gets saved right at the right <laughs> moment. By a now very pretty chrysalis. <laughs> Yeah, very happy, very magically transformed chrysalis Yeah, be- in her, like, monster truck. That's right, yeah, in the same truck that uh, sort of saved him the first chapter when he was, like, driving all around the mountain and didn't know where to go. Yeah, but I am glad that he, they, the story got, like, rounded out a little uh, bit. Yeah. It was a little, like, full circle, but we also get to see Chrysalis one last time before Quillerin like, hightails it out of there without telling anyone. Yeah, I agree. I was actually just gonna say that, too, that it was really nicely full circle. And they even use, William Jackson Brown even uses some of the same like, phrasing, because this is where Quillerin tells Chrysalis that he basically has, um, is gonna have the Klingenschkone Fund pay, not only is he having his lawyers fly in to, like, redo the entire trial for Forrest and get Forrest freed but he's also created like a conservation fund within the Klingenschkone fund where they're gonna buy up property around Little Potato or around Potato Cove on Little Potato Mountain so that it can't be ever be developed and that they were also going to do a program where people if they already have property there they can basically sell their property into the conservation fund but also continue to live there, continue to work it, and not have to worry about. It basically was like it seemed like free money to like, basically just conserve mm-hmm. the area as like a natural, 
preserve yeah and he uses the same which phrase is... that she uses which is like she's like well, like something i can't remember what she says but he says something like um well you know we're just trying i'm trying to be a good neighbor or something which is what she had oh, said yeah. initially which was really sweet yeah, yeah. so she <laughs> he also gives gives her his stuck card <laughs> because <laughs> he's like forget it i don't want it anymore and he just like abandons it and like drops all of his things into her car um, and she takes him down the mountain. He's like, I'll just send you the keys. I'll get a rental down at the airport yeah. or down at the wherever she's dropping him. Yeah, I think it was the airport. Um, yeah. yeah, one of those rich people things of like, don't even worry about it. I don't care about this car anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, like it's so much of a, like, just like the balance of it. Like, it's so much of a nuisance to try to unstick the car that I'll just like pay thousands of dollars for a new one and not bother with it yeah like that's so so little to me it's not even worth the effort no of course not and then the very end I mean this is basically like the last couple pages and then he does go back to one of the motels that he had initially gone to on the way to Spudsboro and he has another like Mm -hmm. cat tie-in moment where he's like having a moment he turns on like an animal like an animal planet type show and like has the cat sit there and watch it and then he just like contemplates the cat like Coco in particular um and is you know basically saying things like did you when you were I guess I didn't realize this part but one of the parts that I thought was really interesting is that Quillerin was like when you were sniffing that sherry bottle which I was like I don't remember him sniffing a sherry bottle but he was like were you trying to tell me that sherry was behind it all or did you just want the glue behind the label or you know things like that oh yeah no don't you remember because it was polly's favorite drink oh that's right and so coco was doing the whole like and quillard at the beginning was like is it because you miss polly oh that's right oh i forgot all about that yeah but yeah so he 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 connected it to sherry this time yeah Instead of Polly. Ow. Trini just bit me. (laughs) He's like, you've been talking long enough. You guys need to stop. (laughs) Well, I'm also like playing with a string in his face. Oh, okay. Fair. (laughs) My hand just got a little too close to his mouth. (laughs) Well, you know, the thing that like didn't end up happening though, is that I thought at the end it was going to go back into like Quillerin contemplating his life's purpose again, which it totally didn't. So Quillerin is still purposeless. He's still purposeless, but he did uh, profess his love to Polly. So I guess that gives him like a little bit of purpose in his life. He did at least come to that conclusion. That's true. He still hasn't said anything about taking the next step forward in their relationship, but he did profess his love. That's true. Because Polly, when they're on the phone and Quilleran's like, I'm coming home immediately. And Polly's like, don't, don't do it. Like you're, you have this whole plan. Like your, your vacation has Oh, literally only one weekend we find out that he has only been gone for one week from pickaxe <laughs> and uh, she's like no don't come home like it's fine and he's like no I'm coming home because I'm worried about you because I love you and then do we get her reaction like I don't know that anything else no <laughs> no I mean I don't, I don't think we hear her say it back but I think it it just kind of is like okay great Ben come home yeah true so that's it yeah that's kind of it we uh do get him musing over some unanswered questions right i have a few unanswered questions of myself of my own what are those 
Um, well, first of all, was the mother actually crazy? We didn't hear anything Ooh. about her at the end. That's a good and, point. Um, second of all, is Lucy still stuck on the mountain? Oh, why is no one taking care of Lucy? Why does no one care about Lucy? Also, we didn't hear um, anything about casualties or survivors in the the whole waterfall disaster. So, I mean... I'm assuming the vets didn't make it out because their house was built on top of the waterfall. Yeah, they were like, like zero. Yeah, but they were nice people, you know? I know? Like, I'd like to hear a little follow-up. That's true. And we do get from Chrysalis, too, as she's driving and out, saying, like, we haven't heard any casualties yet, but, like, there are going to be casualties. So, like, we also yeah. get that there like, will be. We also be. haven't heard of any survivors either. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so Quillerin's hightailing it out of there before before we hear anything about anyone. He obviously did not stay long enough to, like, I guess, care to hear. I know, which he at least did in The Cat Who Lived High. Yeah. When the apartment building exploded. No, we didn't hear about them either. No, we did. We heard some of them, because as he was leaving. I mean, we heard, like, a couple, but he didn't stick around to, like... Oh, that's true. You know, we still got the mystery of he, he was, like, all those people, and then we just kind of, like... You know, we see a couple of them on the news story, but he just kind of, like, leaves. Yeah, I guess that is true. Huh. Quillerin just leaving disasters. I know, and I the people... out of there. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Just just not sticking around to, to figure out who, who might still be around. I know. So insensitive, Quillerin. Yeah. Very insensitive. But I, I will say the, like, very last... The like last part of this book, the like last couple sentences, I did, I did enjoy yeah. the tie back. What were those? So he was like, um, so he was kind of like musing on his whole experience, and he was like, oh god, it was terrible. Like, can't believe all of these like bad things that happened to me on Potato Mountain. Like, why did I even come here in the first place? And then he thinks back and is like I guess you know I was at the the party and it was suggested to me and like but why did that even like why did it occur to me to come here like why did I feel so drawn to it and then he thinks about Coco starts turning in circles (gasps) and it reminds him of the the circle that the taters made in their little like whether you believe in witchcraft or not, their little like witchy circle yeah. that they, you know, were marching with their their fire and, you know, doing their whole like speaking it into being thing. And he was like, could that have reached all the way across the country? Like, was that, you know, like was their desire to get forest out and to have this whole like to save their mountain to like have like all of this like wrapped up and like fixed in their lives like did that reach all the way to me was I the only one who could have done this yeah. and saved their mountain yeah. and their their kinsmen in prison yeah so it was it was a little callback to like something mysterious in in the air in the in the mountain that's true that was a really cool part yeah we don't get any answers but that's how it ends no which is cool because now that we have I was kind of thinking in that part and in a few other parts where Coco and Quillerin are interacting because we've read started or started reading the cat with 14 tails and you get the flip. So you get like those same kind of interactions, not with Quillerin and Coco and Yum Yum, but 
you get the same kind of interactions with cats and, and owners uh, or cats and people, but they're flipped. So you get it from the cat's perspective. And so it is kind of cool because like, I feel like now reading these, I like read them a little bit differently. And I feel like I kind of am like, oh, Lillian Jackson Brown believes these things, but is like leaving them mysterious to have it like a little more mysterious, which I really like. Yeah. So that was a great one. I really liked this one. Yeah. Yeah, I liked this one too. And And I guess we'll have to go in order because we have a mystery now of what's going to happen to Polly. I know. Now we have to do, so I did look up the next one. The next one is the cat who wasn't there which is a very sad prospect the cat should always be a cat who wasn't there oh no is it bootsy does bootsy disappear oh god i hope not maybe it's a ghost cat though maybe it is a ghost cat um but i did promise to put a poll on social media and i will do that this week um so that you guys can choose if you want us to keep moving ahead with the cat who series and read the cat who wasn't there or if you want us to go back into the cat with 14 tails. So we do have a second story there. That's kind of a standalone short story, which is really fun and involves ghost cats. Or not ghost cats, sorry. It involves ghosts. Ghosts. Ghosts yeah. and cats, to be specific. Ghosts and cats. Yeah, plenty of other options. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, other cat mystery e options. Um so yeah we'll I'll put that on social media and you guys can tell us yeah. what you want to do next yeah there's also so i was reading this list of in the beginning of this book it's read all the cat who mysteries and yeah. there are there are quite a few that happened before we started yeah because we we did the cat who saw red and then we kind of jumped forward a few books to the cat who knew shakespeare yeah but then we we skipped like a bunch of other ones we skipped like we skipped three up front and then like a couple more in between each of the other ones that we read yeah and it looks like the original like the three that we skipped up front is where Quillerin got Coco yeah. and then it kind of seems like yum yum came later yeah yeah so there are two two origin story books that we missed that I think it would be fun we don't necessarily have to do those next, but it would be fun to eventually go back and read those. Yeah, we definitely should at some point. I'll put that in the poll too. And yeah, because we want to know yeah. what you guys want to do next. And we want to keep you guys happy too. So yeah, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. That was The Cat Who Moved a Mountain. The Cat Who Moved a Mountain. The ultimate climax of cat murder mystery. Well, for this book um for this so yeah thanks for listening um we if you want to follow us on social media we post a lot of cat pictures um we are paranormal captivity pod on instagram and paranormal pod on twitter um we are also on patreon if you feel like giving us a few bucks we are always very very happy about that and we do put extra content on that too every month we do uh, kitty world news which ooh, we have to do that soon <laughs> yeah yeah, we probably should um but those are really fun we do kind of like current events in the mystery cat world um just to keep you up to date in the goings-on of the feline suspense world yeah and not to throw too many spoilers out there but 
I just started watching the new Roswell <gasps> because I was very obsessed with the original Roswell. Oh, man, I haven't watched it. I need to. I need to start that. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so ridiculous and so good. Watch the original okay. first because this one is like it's a little different okay. because they're they're older. They're not in high school, but it seems like the plot line is like maybe going to be pretty similar anyway. Okay. Like the first episode, the like main piece of drama starts off like it starts off with a bang and is the same as how the original started off so i think it's gonna be good but it's gotten me back into aliens and so i feel like i'm gonna maybe (laughs) there it is i feel like i'm gonna maybe try to search for some some alien cat world news because i'm still not convinced that they are terrestrial creatures i mean that's fair i look forward to that so yeah, yeah, that's that'll be for Patreon for our patrons, mm-hmm. for our patrons. And then lastly, we keep people are so nice on iTunes. We got another really sweet review, um, and everyone is just being so sweet. And also, punny. There are so many great cat puns on them too. <laughs> I just love it all. It's so great. Um, so thank you guys for that. And yeah, if you do have a minute and want to review us on iTunes, that is super super helpful. And yeah, that's it. Look for our poll and look for our hot takes on alien cats coming soon. (laughs) Maybe if I can find people who think the same way I do. (laughs) And write blogs on the internet. I mean, fair. (laughs) All right. Bye, kitty cat investigators. Oh, God, that's not what I meant to say, but it came out anyway. Bye, evidence kitties. Evidence kitties. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, we seriously need some evidence cat shirts. We're we've like <laughs> thought about merch and like this is maybe the closest that I am coming to like actually do it now. <laughs> evidence cat. Evidence yes. kittens. Yeah. All right. Well, stay tuned on that because yes. that would be great. For sure. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye.